attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. In the hit movie network, fictional broadcaster Howard Beale has what he calls a cleansing moment of clarity when he skewers his own profession by admitting to a national audience, quote, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to know. We lie like hell. That confessional has always resonated because it reflects the disdain that many Americans have for the real mainstream media. Polling data proves it. The distrust is richly deserved because reporters are notorious for slanting their coverage through deliberate deceptions, misdirections, outright lies, and cover-ups. Even worse, their collective incompetence compounds the public's contempt. In the age of Joe Biden, journalists have become his dedicated foot soldiers and public apologists. No amount of dissembling is discouraged. They merrily contort evidence, mangle facts, and twist the law into a pretzel to excuse documented acts of wrongdoing by the president and his greedy family. Beale put it more bluntly, they lie like hell. The moment Hunter Biden was indicted for tax crimes by a California grand jury, journalists scoffed at the case by insisting that it is unconnected to Joe Biden. Well, that is true only insofar as the president himself is not named in the indictment or charged. But his dirty fingerprints are all over the tens of millions of dollars in overseas cash that flowed into Hunter Biden-controlled bank accounts. The tax crimes arose from Hunter's corrupt influence peddling schemes, and the evidence is compelling that his father actively aided and abetted those schemes. Documents, testimony, White House logs, photographs, emails, and text messages all implicate Joe Biden. He spoke repeatedly by phone with Hunter's clients, met personally with his son's overseas partners, and even attended their closely guarded meetings. Joe was the Biden brand, which meant selling access to him and promises of influence. He was in on it. Devin Archer, Hunter's former partner, told congressional investigators that the then-vice president operated as defense leverage and sent, quote, the right signals to foreign clients who forked over millions of dollars. Joe was the key component of value, said Archer, who detailed how the elder Biden willingly participated. Secrecy, of course, was a critical feature embedded in the scheme. Hunter's laptop, which was authenticated by the FBI a long time ago, contains an email warning an associate, quote, don't mention Joe being involved. It is only when you are face to face. I know you know that, but they're paranoid, end of quote. Indeed, they were paranoid. To avoid detection, they used code names for Joe, like 
the big guy and Celtic. Is it any wonder that Joe Biden used fake identities and pseudonyms to communicate? The National Archives confirmed there are 82,000 pages of such private emails. Some of them are messages to Hunter and his business partners. But don't count on reading them anytime soon. Transparency laws notwithstanding, the National Archives is as opaque as a brick wall and just as obstinate. It may be years before the agency is finally forced to cough them all up. When he campaigned for president in 2020, Joe Biden denied ever speaking with his son about his business dealings. He insisted he had no knowledge of any foreign transactions. Devin Archer called that categorically false. So did another Hunter associate, Tony Bobolinsky, who was on record demanding that Joe stop lying about it. But President Biden is now stuck with his own lies. As recently as last week, he doubled down on his longstanding denials of ever interacting with his son's foreign clients by stating, quote, I did not. And it's just a bunch of lies. They're lies, said Biden. Perhaps a glance at some of the photographs and records might refresh Joe's recollection, such as it is. Only an insensate person could possibly accept the rank garbage that Joe is peddling. Voters certainly aren't buying it. An Associated Press poll found that almost 70% believe he acted either illegally or unethically. I'd like to meet the clueless 30% who think he did nothing wrong and check their pulse. Selling access to a public office holder and or promises of influence in exchange for money is identified in the criminal codes as bribery. At the very least, Joe Biden appears to have been a witting accessory. Despite his obvious lies that he knew nothing at all about his son's corrupt deals with foreign interests, the record is replete with evidence to the contrary. Some of the media now reluctantly admit that Joe was involved. So they have shifted to another canard that he committed no crimes because he never personally profited from any of the ill-gotten gains. That is twaddle, because it's not how the law reads. Under 18 U.S.C. 201, it is still a crime if the payout was directed to, quote, any other person or entity. That statute was specifically tailored to prosecute public officials who slyly funnel money to family members or put it into segregated accounts instead of themselves. And of course, bribery is also an impeachable offense. The infamous Burisma scandal is a classic example of a quid pro quo that the law forbids. By his own on-camera admission, Joe Biden engineered the termination of a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the very company that was paying his son more than a million dollars a year to sit idly on its board of directors. 
The firing happened only after Hunter put his dad on the telephone with the CEO of Burisma, Mikola Zolashevsky. The probe that threatened to destroy the business suddenly vanished overnight, and the millions in cash continued to arrive in Hunter's account. Archer conceded in his congressional testimony that Burisma was able to survive just because of the Biden brand. None of this has been debunked, as the media keeps telling you. There is evidence that Joe Biden directly defied Obama administration policy when he threatened to withhold a billion dollars in USA to Ukraine unless that prosecutor was sacked. Moreover, a trusted FBI source informed the Bureau that both Bidens were each paid additional $5 million bribes from Zolashevsky. Whether that actually occurred remains under investigation. What is conspicuously absent from the recent tax charges against Hunter Biden are the many other crimes that are self-evident. No money laundering or bribery or foreign lobbying crimes under FARA are alleged. There is nothing whatsoever about the Burisma shakedown involving Joe. Now, this is no accident. Biden's Department of Justice and U.S. Attorney David Weiss are still running a protection racket for the president. It is alive and well. While the indictment focuses squarely on the overseas money that Hunter failed to pay taxes on, there isn't the least bit of curiosity over how all that money was earned. It was attained corruptly with Joe Biden's help. But David Weiss won't venture into that deep black hole. No surprise there. After all, this is the same U.S. attorney who never wanted to bring any charges at all, which is why he negotiated the ludicrous sweetheart deal for Hunter. Only when a federal judge in Delaware blew it up was Weiss forced to level the gun charges, and only when IRS whistleblowers produced damning evidence of crimes was Weiss grudgingly compelled to file the tax charges in California. Make no mistake, David Weiss was shamed into following the law, and for that, he deserves zero credit and only our contempt. No one should trust a prosecutor who runs an office that tipped off Hunter's lawyers, scuttled legitimate search warrants, forbid any questions about Joe Biden's complicity and deliberately allowed the statute of limitations on the most serious crimes to expire. By protecting Hunter, Weiss was protecting the president, and he's still at it. The latest charges against Hunter are a searing indictment of a U.S. attorney bereft of integrity. They expose as crooked his earlier plea deal to allow the president's son to skate entirely. It turned out to be exactly what the whistleblowers said it was, preferential treatment. Hunter is not a victim. He's a perpetrator. Abby Lowell Hunter's contentious lawyer absurdly claims that his client 
would never be charged, quote, if his last name was anything other than Biden. Well, that must come as quite a surprise to the thousands of tax cheats with different last names who are prosecuted each and every year. Lowell must be a tax litigation novice or a fiction writer. Ironically, Joe Biden vowed to beef up the IRS so that more people, just like his own son, could be prosecuted. The 56-page indictment also obliterates the persistent Democrat and media narrative by underscoring the many lies of Joe Biden. As law professor Jonathan Turley explained on Fox News, it's abundantly clear that the president not only knew about his son's deals, but he knew they were corrupt. The usual suspects will still do Joe Biden's bidding, and they'll enjoy welcome venues at MSNBC and CNN. The latter network indulged the incoherent rants of Representative Dan Goldman of New York, a Democrat who blamed Republicans for the criminal counts against Hunter Biden, which, quote, almost are never charged and would be settled civilly, said Goldman. Really? Goldman, who was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, sounds like he attended the Bugs Bunny School of Law instead of Stanford. In reality, roughly 65% of federal tax fraud offenders are sentenced to prison. Check it out. That's according to the U.S. Sentencing Commission. There are countless people who have ended up behind bars for doing a whole lot less than the president's son. The examples have been well reported in the last few months. But CNN didn't bother to correct or challenge or fact-check Goldman. Why would they? They're more than happy to prove Howard Beale's premise that members of the media lie like hell. Joining me now to talk about it is my friend and colleague John Solomon, an award-winning investigative journalist who is editor-in-chief of Just the News. And, you know, John knows more about this Biden scandal than anybody, having broken an endless stream of stories about it since the very outset. And he is still at it. And John, uh, your, your stories, your breaking stories are wonderful. They add such depth and context to our knowledge uh, about what the Biden family has been doing. Insofar as the most recent tax charges against Hunter Biden, th- these have been obvious for years. They are self-evident. Uh, But, you know, David Weiss, the U.S. attorney from Delaware, has only brought them belatedly and grudgingly kicking and screaming uh, because, you know, he was exposed for what I think is the corruption within his investigation, uh, the U.S. attorney's office, as well as the Department of Justice. What's your take on these tax charges against Hunter Biden? 
Well, first, you're exactly right, Greg. These don't happen except for the fact that uh, the two whistleblowers came forward this spring and they alerted everybody that Hunter Biden was about to get a pass on very serious felony tax evasion. And their coming forward changed the dynamic inside Weiss's office, inside the main Justice Department, inside Congress. And they forever changed the course of history, Gary Shapley and Joe Ziegler. Uh, and I've interviewed both of them. They're very serious uh, guys, they didn't do this for political impact. They did it because they believe the tax code has to be applied fairly to everyone. And they saw Hunter Biden being treated differently. Uh, now, uh, as for the indictments specifics, this is what we call a speaking indictment, right? It has a lot of detail beyond what was necessary simply to uh, uh, levy the charges. And one of the first things that you walk away uh, uh, from the indictment, even though Joe Biden is not mentioned once, is that his home in Wilmington, Delaware, is a crime scene. It is the location by which uh, Hunter Biden uh, lived and evaded taxes for some period of time while he was there. So Joe Biden was aiding and abating, abetting his son's tax fraud scheme by allowing him to live at his home, allowing him to carry out these transactions. And when you take that information in the indictment, which is a tax evasion indictment. And now you go back and you take a look at what Ron Johnson told me last week, that six of the largest uh, suspicious activity reports that were filed um, against Hunter Biden, covering about $12 million of foreign transactions, they all listed Joe Biden's residence as the point or origin of transaction meeting. Uh, and they were flagging two different crimes potential money laundering, potential human trafficking. So Joe Biden's home is a crime scene, both in the indictment and in the suspicious activity report, something we didn't know previously. Uh, none of this happens uh, if it weren't for uh, Joe Biden allowing his son to bring his business partners in uh, to visit him, whether it be at Cafe Milano or the National Observatory, uh, or Naval Observatory where uh, Joe Biden lived. Joe Biden made this scheme, this influence peddling scheme possible by assisting his son day in and day out. And those millions come into the coffers. We now know for the first time, at least some of that money that came into Joe, uh, James and Hunter Biden comes back around and repays uh, Joe Biden allegedly for loans. So he's the beneficiary of some cash. There's also some payments that we know Hunter Biden was making covering Joe's bills. Uh, we'll see how much further uh, Congress gets in the next few weeks in terms of establishing um, other money flows that may have benefited Joe Biden directly or indirectly. But right now, uh, this indictment makes very clear that Joe Biden's home was the scene of a very large and continuing uh, tax evasion scheme. It's really incredible. And yet the media continues to apologize for Joe Biden. Yes. They they defend him with the most vacuous of excuses. They're, you know, some of the media are now admitting, OK, um, Joe Biden was involved, but they say wrongfully that he committed no crimes because no money landed in his bank account. Now, right. that's untrue because at least $40,000 in Chinese money landed in his bank account. But even if you accept that that's a loan repayment, this is not how the law reads. The law reads yes, that Joe Biden didn't have to uh, receive a single penny of any of these ill-gotten gains. Um, right. If the money goes to, quote, another person or entity other than the office holder, and I'm reading from the bribery statute, it's still a crime. 
Now, the media either knows that and, and they're trying to lie to the American public, or they're so stupid and incompetent and lazy that they don't bother uh, to do a Google search and look up yeah. uh, bribery, 18 U.S.C. 201. So let's talk a little bit about the media here. The, you know, the title of this podcast is, in the Hunter Biden criminal case, the media lie like hell. Yeah. They do indeed. They uh, they mangle facts. They twist the law. They contort the evidence, and they do it. It seems to me for malevolent reasons. They are partisans. They have a pro Joe Biden agenda, don't they? Yeah, or certainly don't let Trump become president agenda at the very least, right? Sometimes yeah. it's hard to tell whether they're in love with Joe Biden or just so in hate with, full of hatred for uh, Donald Trump that they're willing to. Uh, leave uh, the uh, required neutrality that journalism requires. You're supposed to treat everyone the same. You're not supposed to put your thumb on the scale. But uh, for the last eight years, seven, eight years, really since Donald Trump came down the escalator at Trump uh, Tower, uh, the media have had their thumb on the scale. And it started with Hillary Clinton. It continued with Joe Biden. So when I look at it, I think really they're obsessed with Donald Trump first and then the Democratic candidate second. Uh, but I think back to a great moment in uh, October of 2020. This, I think, is an epic moment when people look back and say, how biased is the medium? The laptop had just come out. I had authenticated the laptop. How did I authenticate the laptop? I called the FBI and asked had they uh, corroborated the laptop, and they said they had. I called the DNI, John Radcliffe, and he said this wasn't Russian disinformation. It was a legitimate uh, laptop. I called the FBI back, and they said, we don't have anything to dispute by what John Radcliffe said. It took me less than half a day of phone calls to be able to corroborate that the laptop was real, that the FBI had done authentication. We later learned just how much that authentication was when the IRS whistleblowers put out some documents this summer. Everyone else in the media, with the exception of Miranda Devine and a couple of others, uh, uh, went with the, uh, the Russian disinformation claim, uh, which we now know was an orchestrated effort by the uh, Biden campaign and Tony Blinken and um, Mike Morrell, the former CIA director. Uh, but it wasn't that hard to get corroboration for the laptop. We didn't have to do some, you know, uh, deep investigation. Just making phone calls and, and having a curious mind is all it took for me to be able to corroborate the laptop. No one in the media did. And even when the signs that the laptop were real uh, started emerging in 2021 with authentications, I, for instance, hired the FBI's former um a, a, a signature expert, handwriting and signature expert. And he said that was Hunter Biden's signature on uh, the receipt that was there with the laptop. Um, even then, people just lacked the curiosity to dig in, challenge the uh, a public narrative. Uh, and as a result, people were misled going into the election. And they really were misled for the first two full years of Joe Biden's presidency. It's not our job to mislead the American people. It's our job to inform them. And uh, my industry... Uh, more than any time in recent modern history has done more to misinform the public than to inform it in the last four to five years. And I think it's that obsession with Donald Trump and then maybe a little bit of uh, favoritism to Joe Biden on top of it that makes it so egregious. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, it continues to this day. It does. Uh, you know, it's unbelievable to me. There are some who still claim uh, that, that the laptop is not real. Sure. Uh, and what did it take? Two years for the Washington Post and CBS to finally admit? Yeah. I mean, you did it in a half day. 
And it took them two years to finally say, okay, we verified it. It's authentic. The emails are real and so forth. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But as I say, it continues to this day. I watched with amusement CNN over the weekend. And they had on this cavalcade of, you know, Democrats who were saying things like, nobody goes to uh, jail uh, for tax crimes, Uh, which, of course, must come as incredible news to the people behind bars for tax crimes. And there are thousands of them. Uh, And in in fact, there's a a 65 percent of federal tax fraud offenders are sentenced to prison each and every year. All you have to do, again, just go to Google. U.S. Yeah. Sentencing Commission, they have the stats right there. There's no pushback, uh, no challenge, no correction, no fact-checking by CNN, and they let you know these Democrats say these things. Right. And it just, it, it just underscores how in the tank the media is for Joe Biden. And again, I think you're right when you say it's not so much being for Joe Biden, it's being against his opponent, Donald Trump. Yeah, and you, you that's a, such a great example. Uh, the Syracuse University track system shows a, an enormous use of the exact tax charges that uh, Hunter Biden faced against people. There are famous cases of Martha Stewart. <laughs> Clearly somebody who was uh, prosecuted under these tax statutes. Um, there is an effort on a day in and day out basis to delegitimize anything negative about Joe Biden and to promote anything negative about Donald Trump, even when it wasn't true. I think of CNN, <coughs> excuse me, um, throughout that uh, period uh, in 2016 and early 17, I was able to uh, absolutely on the record knock down what we know as the alpha bank um, server theory. This is a conspiracy theory that uh, Donald Trump and the Russians were talking through a bank. Now I knocked it down by calling the FBI. I knocked it down by calling the intelligence committee, the uh, CIA and others. Um, I had it on the record multiple times. And then I would watch CNN come back even um, two years later and resurrected a third, a fourth, a fifth time. Even though, and I would call the FBI and say, "Hey, did something change? Is there some um, uh, twist in this that maybe CNN's out there now saying it's being investigated?" Like, no, John, we knocked it down in the beginning. We knocked it down a second time, a third time. It's never been true. It wasn't until 2019 when, in testimony before Congress, Robert Mueller said it was never true that the uh, media finally dropped off of it. But uh, with two or three phone calls in 16 and 17 and 18, I was repeatedly able to knock that down on the record and still CNN and others went with those stories. Um, You can't ascribe any possible journalistic error to it. It's not possible they were erroneous because they were talking to the same people I were talking to. You have to ascribe some more nefarious motive when you see people resurrect stories that you know irrefutably are false or to go with stories or, or to debunk stories. And I put that debunk in quotes that are inevitably uh, and overwhelmingly true. Let me get back to the, uh, the recent tax charges against Hunter Biden. I read the indictment 56 pages long, very detailed. Um, this is, you know, sort of gruel for just one aspects of the Biden fa- crime family. Uh, failure to pay taxes. Yeah. Um, and it's powerful stuff. There's no question about it. 
Um, but there is not the least bit of curiosity about yeah. how the millions of dollars was earned. It was earned through corruption, influence yeah. peddling schemes, which is described in the criminal codes in America as That's bribery. Right. That, yeah. it seems to me, is a very deliberative decision by David Weiss and the Department of Justice. Okay, we're, we're going to throw uh, in a Hunter Biden under the bus for failure to pay taxes, but there's going to be nothing in the indictment and nothing in the trial about where the tens of millions of dollars came from. And of course, yeah. they came from corrupt deals with America's adversaries overseas yeah. at the very same time that Joe Biden was exerting influence as vice president over those same source countries. Now, yeah. that to me is an extension of the protection racket. Got to throw somebody under the bus. We'll throw Hunter, but only in a very narrow way, failure to pay taxes. Yeah, listen, there is clear evidence that this was an influence peddling screen that involved Foreign Agent Registration Act lobbying. Uh, that uh, The uh, indictment is silent on that issue. Uh, there are also some very strong inferences, not only in this document, but also in uh, the 170 SARS reports. And just to put that in perspective, I've talked to a lot of federal prosecutors who said they never saw more than 20 or 30 SARS against some of the worst, most heinous crime uh, families in the in the in, in the world. 170 is like almost unheard of. David X. Sullivan, he prosecuted a lot of the former AUSA up in Connecticut. Uh, did a lot of the tax and money laundering cases that uh, occurred in Connecticut, New York. Uh, and he said there's a very strong money laundering case here. Uh, and it doesn't seem that the prosecutors, at least as of yet, are that curious about it. The banks clearly thought that it was a money laundering case. That's why they kept filing these SARS. Uh, that's why they kept flagging possible human trafficking with the young overseas women that Hunter Biden seemed to be engaging with. And I want to remind everybody of one particular email, SARS, or SARS, a suspicious, a suspicious activity report. It was an email that transmitted one of the SARS. James Comer released it a couple of weeks ago. And in that report, uh, the bank official, I think it was Wells Fargo, as I recall, uh, stated flatly that the $5 million loan that came in from China in 2017 looked like uh, the behavior that China often engages in when he gives money to the son of a prominent political figure to gain influence with the political figure. If a bank could figure that out just by looking at the transactions, certainly the United States government, uh, the Treasury Department, the uh, Justice Department, and David Weiskin could figure that out. Uh, but there has been an effort to limit this case to what the public is currently outraged about instead of uh, preparing the case that the facts and the evidence support. Uh, David Weiss only tailored this to what the, uh, if you look at it, the indictment is identical to what the whistleblower said they were going to do. So the pressure from the whistleblowers made David Weiss go from the sweetheart tax deal, which was going to be no prison, to a series of tax charges that carry 17 years of prison. It's identical to what the whistleblowers did. All he has done is because the whistleblowers let one of the cats out of the bag, he's now put the cat in the indictment. But there are so many other places where criminal activity is apparent to prosecutors, to banks, to members of Congress. David Weiss doesn't seem willing to go there. You were mentioning that SARS report. 
it arises out of a banking investigator is an expert on That's money right. laundering, and he was working for a bank. And you know, the five million comes to a Hunter Biden account, um, and uh, you know, the banks, you know, red flag, red flag. And the examiner looks into it, and he discovers it's going into uh, you know a company that rendered no services, I'm quoting here, there was no legitimate business purpose, and there was no loan agreement submitted for the alleged $5 million loan. It wasn't a loan. It was was simple graft. It was influence peddling. Uh, and, And yet, you know, it is unfathomable to me that Hunter Biden, who is operating roughly 20, uh, shell companies. I mean, shell companies by themselves are not illegal, but when you've right. got 20 of them operating simultaneously by a single individual, it is pretty apparent that what he's doing is hiding the source of the money. And the bank knew the source of the money and they found it out and they reported it to the criminal division at the Department of Justice that, of course, deep sixed it into a vault in the basement somewhere. Um, I mean, this is to me, it's really just five million from China. That's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, You know, the the oversight committee has found so far and the number will surely go up. Twenty four million dollars. Our friend Peter Schweitzer, who wrote the book Red Handed, said it's thirty one million. And he tracked it in his book. You can read it uh, again. Red Handed. Then you got to throw in millions more from Russia. Millions from Ukraine, Romania, Kazakhstan, and a half a dozen dozen other countries where the Biden family was making tens of millions of dollars at the same time that Joe Biden was exercising influence over those countries. I mean, this to me, and I've said this before on the air, this has got to be the largest influence peddling bribery scheme in American political history. Yeah, listen, I I, I uh, cut my teeth on scandals in the '90s with the uh, Asia fundraising scandal that the Clintons had, where they were selling the um, Lincoln bedroom and the teas and coffees. But that was for political cash uh, and to win elections. This is personal cash to enrich the family of a of a very significant uh, American political figure. It's exactly why we created the uh, bribery statutes. It's exactly why we created the uh, conflict of interest statutes. Uh, a lot of the reforms that the post-Watergate era uh, produced in the aftermath of Nixon and that were designed to prohibit this sort of conduct. And yet Joe Biden and his family engaged in, it in impunity. And they don't even now, even now, uh, what's most remarkable about the Biden family, there is no shame. Uh, at least Bill Clinton felt shame when he was caught lying about Monica Clancy, uh, Monica Lewinsky. At least he felt some shame and did some uh, apologies and reform after the White House fundraising gig was exposed. Uh, Hunter Biden would like to accuse Republicans of trying to get him addicted to cocaine again. Uh, and Joe Biden would like to continue to say absolute hard fact evidence are lies. He continues to say it's a lie to say that he met with his business partners, even though we have the photos. We have the emails. We have the testimony. Um, there is no shame in the Biden family. Uh, they don't feel a, a, the slightest bit of discomfort from all that has been exposed about them. That's unlike any other political figure or family I can think of in my uh, time as a reporter in this town, 35 years in this town. 
Yeah. I mean, they love the power, the riches that come from it. They've exploited that uh, through the many schemes. And, you know, notwithstanding historic low ratings, the most recent poll numbers came out, you know, Joe Biden's got this abysmal 37 (laughs) percent approval rate. That's right. Um, I'd like to meet that 37 percent. Any rate, uh, but they (laughs) but they nevertheless want him to run for reelection, even though he is way too old. His diminished mental acuity is available for all to see anytime he appears in public. He mangles, uh, you know, words and sentences every time he tries to read in vain from a teleprompter. I mean, this is a man who has no business uh, sitting in the seat of power in America, and yet his family, you know, wants him to uh, continue the gravy train because yeah. they're the beneficiaries. Let me let me end our podcast conversation uh, again. My guest is is John Solomon, who is a terrific investigative reporter, editor in chief of Just the News. You really have to go to his website each and every day to get the latest news on this and so much more. But John, where? Do you see this going immediately? Hunter Biden is supposed to be uh, this week appearing for a deposition. I doubt very much, given the indictment, that that will happen. He'll invoke the Fifth Amendment uh, right right against self-incrimination. But broadly speaking, where do you see this moving? Uh, I think uh, the House will approve a formal impeachment inquiry this week. I think they have the votes, according to Mike Johnson. That will allow this uh, to go to the courts for a few weeks. Uh, There will be witnesses who either directly or indirectly don't want to answer questions or don't want to appear. Hunter Biden is chief among them. Um, And they'll have to compel testimony, compel documents. Uh, I want to put a circle around a couple of things. I do think... Uh, that uh, the testimony of Eric Sherwin, if he's compelled or if he cooperates on his own, he's a guy that understood Joe Biden's finances and Hunter Biden's finances. He's the guy that wrote that famous email that said that Joe Biden owed so much money to Hunter Biden when he was vice president that he signed over one of his Delaware tax refunds to start to make good on it. He's the guy that wrote emails showing that Hunter Biden was paying the bills of uh, Joe Biden at various times. His insights into how much Joe Biden may have directly or indirectly um, benefited from Hunter Biden's foreign grift will be really essential testimony. And then there's another set of documents. We already know Devin Archer's general story. He's the other big business partner in Hunter Biden's life during the key decade when uh, the enrichment schemes were going on. Uh, he, he's testified, but his uh, recollection was sometimes hazy, sometimes good. Uh, he gave some of the most damning testimony to date. But back in 2016, when he was arrested by the FBI, they seized uh, hundreds of thousands of documents or hundreds of thousands of pages of documents, excuse me, uh, from uh, Devin Archer, some which include documents that were never on Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, and uh, Congress is in the process of negotiating to get those documents and to release those documents. I think there'll be uh, documents in there that will fill in some gaps on how these enrichment schemes went on, how Joe Biden was expected to deliver certain things for the clients. And then a third component of it is it may refresh the recollection of Devin Archer where he has to come back now. It's six, seven years. Hey, you didn't mention this in your testimony, but what is this document? And I think Devin Archer could reemerge a second time as a very essential 
witness in the case. And then the very last piece of the case is since the foreign money dried up in 2019, um, uh, Hunter Biden has been living high in the hog through another means. Uh, Kevin Morris, a Hollywood lawyer and Democrat donor who met Hunter Biden at a Joe Biden presidential fundraiser in late 2019 in California. He has given Hunter Biden more than $5 million uh, and he's done it uh, and then later papered them up as loans. $5.3 $5.3 million in loans that don't come due, meaning he doesn't need to make payments on it until after the next election. They don't start coming due until 2025. I don't know of any other lawyers in America that loan their um, uh, their clients money and then delay or defer payment on the uh, 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 loans until years and years later. By the way, uh, after a very important political deadline, Joe Biden's latest thing. We know Hunter Biden has abused loans in the past. That's part of the theory of the tax case, I would keep an eye on Kevin Morris, uh, three business partners, Kevin Morris, uh, Eric Schwerwin, and Devin Archer. I think they will provide new insights as we move into the new year and the impeachment inquiry moves to a real question of will they will Congress pursue actual articles of impeachment? John Solomon, uh, an award-winning investigative journalist, editor-in-chief of Just the News. It's a website you have to read. Uh, John has broken more stories about this subject than anybody I know of. He is still hard at work doing it. And thank you for taking the time to talk to us today on The Brief, John. Thanks so much. Yeah, great to be with you, Greg. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.